Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Today is kind of an exciting show for me, something that I've been looking forward to. Today we have Chef Tim Murray on the show. Tim is the Vice President of Iranox North America. He is also overseeing key accounts and doing a lot of the heavy lifting, just as he always has at Iranox. Now some of you out there might be asking yourselves, who is Iranox or what is Iranox or what is a Iranox? Well, Tim will answer that question today. We've got a lot of really cool stuff to talk about, things that are very applicable to us in our industry, how we can be a little bit more effective, a piece of equipment that could potentially change your life um, depending on your operation, depending on what you make, depending on what your goals and desires and dreams and all that fun stuff. So let's jump right into it. Tim, tell us a little bit about how you got started in this crazy business and what brought you to this point. At about the age of 14, my dad bought a restaurant. It was a greasy spoon and I started out on dishwashing and then I worked my way over to the the grill slinging hash and um, it kind of got the the bug in me. Uh, I wound up going to high school for for culinary in four of them as Diamond Regional Vocational Technical High School. and then I worked the industry. Um, I worked my way through through all the stations, uh, salad, broiler, saute, first cook, sous chef, executive sous, executive chef. Um, um, I, I, I committed myself to the industry and eventually I was able to get a, a job in one of the, a couple of the top restaurants in New England called Capriccio's and Cafe Nuovo, uh, two of the higher end uh, restaurants in, in Providence. And it brought my my level of knowledge to a different level. Um, I did that for quite a few years, um, and then I was I realized that physically I couldn't do this anymore uh, to the capacity that I was doing it. So I started the transition out, um, and I went to retirement, a uh, very high high uh, high end retirement facility in uh, Providence called uh, Laurel Mead. We had everything from peanut butter to lobster on the menu. Um, uh, and that led into healthcare. From healthcare, I went to manufacturing, which I learned a whole lot from. I really fall back a lot on manufacturing today. Um, then I went uh, to grocery stores in the prepared food section, and one in particular had a catering uh, division. Um, and in the midst of all that, in between, I was self-employed, where I had owned two restaurants simultaneously and a, and a um, and a catering business. So I had some really good general all-round experience. Um, and that's uh, that's basically my story. It's one of the things, this is an industry that I love. Um, if I had it to do all over again, I'd be doing this. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's been very rewarding to me. So Tim, talk about where you're at currently and, and uh, what your current role is. Currently, I'm the... Uh, I work for a company called Aeronox North America. Aeronox is the leading manufacturer of blast chillers and shock freezers throughout the world. 
We're in 90 different markets around the world, and we produce a product that we're the best at because it's all we do. I started out as the corporate chef for Aeronox, and then I moved into the executive chef, and the vice president of sales wound up getting a, a different job, and I wound up that I transitioned. It was kind of a natural transition over to sales because my my presentation was selling units. Um, uh, prior to me coming on board, the company had a focus more on uh, colleges, universities, healthcare, manufacturing, and they lacked. Uh, uh, they really lacked in the restaurant market. Um, so I helped develop a presentation that was more favorable to to restaurants and educating them how blast chilling and shock freezing can really favor them. Um, so it wound up that I transitioned in the sales, although I didn't want to, I was in it. And, uh, uh, and it wound up that I became vice president of sales. And I went from vice president of sales to vice president of the company currently. I'm um, uh, um, director of key accounts and I have an oversight on, on culinary. So in your vast experience, which you have vast experience in this business in multiple segments of the industry, Talk about some of the lessons that you've learned in each one of these segments or, or your experiences. What have you gleaned from doing all that you've done? So starting out and working my way through the ranks, I mean, you, you're learning the business from the grassroots up, you know, starting out on, on salads and, and um, then working your way over to a flat surface grill. Um, you know, and slinging hash, it really helps develop your, your line skills. Um, and then working up from there um, to each individual station um, gives you a well-rounded need to uh, maintaining quality. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's important that you maintain quality. And I can honestly say, for the most part, after I got out of the, the hash slinging and the, the diners that uh, when I started to advance in my career that I'm proud to say that I worked in restaurants that that focused on quality and quality was key for me um, because the customer uh, the customer won't come back unless they're getting a value for their dollar and um, how do I do that you know it's, it's by producing quality um, so you know uh, places like Capriccio's we used uh, uh, some of the best ingredients, but we also use some of the best techniques. Uh, and those techniques are important in making sure that uh, um, the product is cooked properly. The same thing over at Cafe Nuovo. Um, it's, it's, it was very tech, technique driven um, and quality in making sure that what the customer got this day, they got it the same way a week from now or two weeks from now. Um, so it was a education on each individual place that I worked or each individual sector. So for instance, when I worked um, healthcare, well, I learned a lot about um, uh, diets. Um, although it, uh, it's probably the area that I fall back on the least, it was important to know, um, you know, how to do a low sodium, and uh, it makes me more conscious of how I prepare food and uh, making sure that it's a little more healthy. Um, then we went to grocery stores. A grocery store was 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 merchandising. Um, you got to look at a grocery store. They have 
20,000 plus ingredients. There's not too much they can't make. And now you see um, um, uh, sprouting up around the country what they call grocer rods. Um, in some cases, you're able to take whatever you want off the shelves and bring it to this kitchen and they can prepare it for you however you want it prepared and then take it home. Um, but grocery stores taught me a lot about merchandising. Then I went to manufacturing. I think manufacturing is is one of the areas that um, I fall back on the most because for a long time, restaurants didn't operate as if they were their own manufacturing site. We did everything a la minute, uh, or most things a la minute, with the exception of soups and certain sauces, and we did our day veg, but everything else was done a la minute. And uh, uh, the manufacturing industry really taught me how to produce volume, um, which was important because when I went back to the restaurant industry, it became so much easier when, when I had those busy days, the Mother's Day, the Easter, the, the New Year's Eve. Uh, the production was so much easier once I learned the, the skill of mass production. And I, I, I carry that over uh, today into uh, everywhere I work or everywhere I have worked. Um, I learned a ton from being self-employed. Self-employed, uh, uh, again, was, was a commitment. Um, there was no calling in sick, and it required me to be there. Um, running two different restaurants and a catering business simultaneously was, was surely a challenge. And uh, it taught me organization. It taught me financing. It taught me um, um, how to work with labor, how to keep good people. Uh, it was a, a, a huge learning experience for me that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, we went upon hard times and I think it was 1989, 1990 where the economy tanked and it was time for me to get out and I, I sold out and um, went back to the restaurants and, uh, um, um, and I have no regrets. Now I'm with Aeronox and Aeronox has taught me so much and so many different skills um, that I've never really possessed before. Being a chef, it's it's uh, you're in loud kitchens and um, um, it's it's fast paced, it's uh, really hectic, and being in the sales industry is a lot more organized. Um, it's a slower pace, uh, but it can be just as rewarding. Um, what has taught me being with Aeronox is that I'm able to offer a product to end users or chefs that I know works, that I know is going to make their every day easier. That for me is a reward because I like sharing the knowledge that I have, but more importantly, I like helping a chef be more successful or a restaurant operation be more successful. But the wealth of knowledge that I've gained through all these um, um, different sectors within the industry, I fall back on. It's taught me commitment. Uh, you have to be committed to this. Um, you have to be the person that's willing to work the busy nights, the Friday to the Saturdays or the holidays. Um, 
you've got to be the person that that makes sure that not only you're doing the job right, but look over your your fellow guy, uh, the guy next to you or gal next to you, and make sure that they're doing it right. Um, it teaches you teamwork. Teamwork is key. Um, so there's so much to learn in this business, and uh, commitment is 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 major. Uh, teamwork and uh, focus. Focus on details. What it's taught me is a lot of focus on details. So talk about some of the people that you've worked with or that Aeronox supplies product to, because. I know as a major player and an industry leader in what you do, you kind of get to play in the big leagues. You get to, to rub shoulders and learn lessons from some of the people that are the best of the best. Talk about some of the people that you work with. We've been fortunate enough to have uh, units that Mario Batali has purchased. Um, Grant Archette in um, Chicago um, has two Aeronox. Uh, Thomas Keller has uh, one Aeronox. These are, these are all pretty big players that uh, um, have taught me that quality is important and Aeronox falls in line with that quality, helping them manage and achieve that. Um, they, wouldn't have, they don't have a piece of equipment just for having a piece of equipment. You know, they have the technology that's necessary for them to be able to produce product that is quality. Um, so it's really taught me that um, um, what we what we produce has quality results for for end users, um, but it, but it, it means so much more though because for them they have the labor issues just like everybody else, food costs. They have the regulations and the overhead um, HACCP. They're busy. They have all the same trials and tribulations as any other restaurant um, and how do they manage it well they're looking at technology as being their friend um, when you're looking at the high-end restaurants they have the the water circulations and the water circulators and the CVAPs and um, the combi ovens and now they're working into uh, blast chillers um, um, that are multifunctional. Uh, for Aeronox, we're multifunctional uh, like no other blast chiller is. We do blast chilling, shock freezing, and then we have the capabilities of actually thawing product out, putting something in the, putting a frozen product in the cabinet. Let's say right now, programming it to hold frozen until midnight tonight, then tell it to thaw it out and then hold it cold. So when I come in tomorrow morning, I have a freshly thawed product. It's designed to thaw product out today for tomorrow or overnight for tomorrow. And all this happens, all this can happen while you're at home sleeping. Uh, so I'm not wasting water down the sink um, or leaving product out on the, on the counter that uh, uh, is not uh, recommended. Uh, these cabinets also have the capabilities of proofing. So I can take put a product in there that's uh, frozen if I wanted to, program it to thaw it out, proof it, and then retard the dose so that when I come in tomorrow morning uh, at X time, I then bake that product in a traditional oven, take it out of the oven, put it back in the Aeronox, and just chill it down to room temperature. That's going to add additional shelf life onto that baked good. 
the temperature range between these Aeronox multi-fresh units is minus 40 up to 185 Fahrenheit. And I can do anything in between. So yes, this is a piece of refrigeration and a low temp oven all in one. I can hot hold, put something in there hot and tell it to hold hot for an extended period of time. Or if I wanted to, I could, I could tell it to heat product up, put something in there right now, tell it to hold it cold until five o'clock tomorrow morning and then heat it up. That's a, a huge application for schools. Uh, so they're able to put something in on a Friday if they wanted to, uh, frozen, tell it to hold it frozen, thaw it out, and then heat it up so that when they come in Monday morning, they're serving a hot breakfast to students. It has pasteurization. I can make yogurt inside these machines. Um, and when it's all done, I can then automatically chill it. Again, another cycle that I can do overnight, get production out of that square footage that I normally wouldn't get. They're capable of dehydrating. Uh, so I'm able to take seasonal fruits and vegetables or make jerky if I wanted to, again, but I do this overnight. So in the daytime, I'm using it as a blast chiller in a shark freezer, um, but overnight, I'm able to use that same unit uh, to a different capacity. Uh, and this is something never seen before. Some of the other cool functions is it can actually low temperature cook. So I can put a product in there right now, cold, tell it to cook to a certain temperature, or for a specific amount of time, and then it will automatically chill it, or automatically freeze it, or cook and hold. I can put something in there um, cold, tell it to heat it up, then tell it to chill it and reheat it if I wanted to. These cabinets are extremely versatile, and because it only goes to 185 degrees, you don't have the traditional shrink that's associated with cooking in your traditional ovens. The shrink is drastically less. So when I do a whole pork loin, when I do those in a traditional oven, I get anywhere from 18 to 25% shrink. When I do them inside my Aeronox, I have less than 10. What you do with that extra percentage is up to you, but that's now stretching your portion. And the fact that it only goes to 185 also allows me to be able to cut down on my hood space. The hood is the most expensive piece of equipment that you have in a kitchen. FCSI, which is a consulting organization here in the States, around the world for that matter, and they estimate that it costs anywhere from twelve dollars to $1,500 per linear foot to install a hood. Today you've got all these codes and welding and makeup air, um, ANSO systems. That same hood in New York City cost about uh, $2,000 per linear foot. When you look at the hood, you come in first thing in the morning, it's the first thing you turn on, it's the last thing you, you turn off. It's the highest consu consumer of energy in your kitchen, hands down. The fact that I don't have to put this under a hood can help save on the installation cost as well as energy. So our reach-in units, just on the installation, can potentially save a, a new startup company that's building from ground up five to $7,000 on the installation alone, and then another $500 a year, $5,000 a year on energy cost. This is a big savings to the end user, um, but it does all of what I'm saying 
with quality. It's highly programmable. So if I want to cook to a specific temperature at a specific temperature, I can do that. If I want to cook by time, I can. So I do things like my ribs. I'll do 14-hour ribs overnight, pork ribs. Um, I'll cook them at 185 for two to three hours, and then I'll drop the temperature down and low and slow it the rest of the way. Um, I can do my uh, my 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 uh, top rounds if I wanted to. We have school systems that are actually doing all their proteins overnight: chicken breast, top rounds, turkey breast, briskets, all overnight. They come in the following morning or on Monday, and everything is chilled. So. It's an extremely versatile piece of equipment that's easy to program. And one of the other cool things about it is that as long as I use the probe, I can then track all the HACCP temperatures that will be stored in the machine and then wirelessly transfer them to a remote location within the building or download them to a USB stick. So this is some of the advantages of of working with an Eronox and some of the things that I've learned that I never thought possible. If you would have told me 30 years ago that I'd be working with a piece of equipment that can be a low temp oven and a refrigerator all at once, I would have said you were crazy. But here we have this technology and this is what's helping restaurants become more efficient, more labor efficiency and more um, production efficiency while saving energy, reducing food cost and food waste. Uh, this is where technology uh, is being used in these higher end restaurants and it is now working its way down to the uh, middle and lower end restaurants. Um, we predict that eventually uh, blast chilling is going to be mandatory. But now if I have all these other function capabilities, um, uh, it takes that same piece of equipment and makes it so much more worthy, worth uh, the purchase. I can attest it truly is an amazing piece of equipment and I've used it extensively and love it. And that's part of the reason that we're talking about that today. Now, um, is this something when you tell people about this and you explain this, is this something that people are like, oh yeah, I get it. And they just jump on board right away. Or are they a little skeptical when you talk to them at first? It's an educational process. Um, and what I mean by that is, in most cases, the technology is introduced to somebody, or they've everybody's heard of blast chilling and shock freezing now, but they don't understand what the benefits are. So the only way to really make them understand is through a presentation. And what I mean by that is, bring somebody to my one of my many kitchens that I have around the country and prepare food that has been Aeronoxed, something that's been cooked inside Aeronox and automatically chilled and reheated, something that was cooked in a, 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 a different cooking vessel and then chilled and then reheated, um, and let them make the determination by what they're tasting. Let, them pa- let their palate help them decide. Um, and that's what usually takes in order to make somebody realize that um, because there's a lot of hesitation to it. Uh, one of the first things chefs say is we make everything a la minute. There's no way that you're making those soups a la minute or your, a lot of your sauces or 
Uh, in some cases, your day veg or day potato, you're doing those in, in batches. So there's always that 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 feeling or that it's kind of like an insult because they're they're thinking that I make everything from scratch, and it's making them realize that they don't. And once they accept that, and once they realize that, then it becomes easier. Showing them the capabilities um, through a presentation and having them taste the difference is huge. And there's there's very few times that anybody's ever left the presentation and said, "I don't want that." <laughs> you know, they make they realize that this is a valuable tool to them. Um, it's not something we can sell out of a catalog successfully. Um, it requires, uh, in some cases, a hands-on. The technology, for the most part, um, isn't inexpensive, but what it does have is a very fast ROI. And when you have a blast chiller that's size right for your location, you can have less than a year ROI. And we cover all the different sectors, all the different sectors. When we talk about catering, restaurants, hotels, um, banquet facilities, uh, manufacturing, uh, grocery stores, hotels, restaurants, food trucks, you name it, we're in. It's getting these people in the door to make them realize that this is good for them. But once they understand it, it's something that they, they eventually accept. Now, once they have it, in most cases, it say, how the hell did I ever do this so many years without it? This makes my my life so much easier. Um, um, because now, through the capabilities of blast chilling, um, I move the product through the danger zone so quickly that I stunt the bacterial growth or, in some cases, drastically reduce it. What does that now mean to the end user? Well, I can double or triple the shelf life of my product because I'm moving it so quickly through the danger zone of 135 to below 41 that I have less bacteria. Less bacteria means a longer shelf life. A longer shelf life means that I should have less waste. And in some cases, you'll double or triple the shelf life of any one product that's blast chilled as compared to traditional chilling. And what is traditional chilling? That is taking the product out of the oven, putting it on the counter, letting it rest, then somebody going over saying, okay, this is cool enough, let's wrap it and put it inside our standard refrigeration. That that tray of chicken or that casserole now has just become an incubator and you're now shortening the shelf life of it and um, actually uh, uh, increasing your exposure to liability with your customers. By blast chilling, I eliminate, I can't say I totally eliminate it, but you drastically reduce, and in some cases you do eliminate it for X period of time. Um, so it's huge uh, what blast chilling can do um, um, for the end user. And then you throw in the fact that it has shock freezing as well. Um, shock freezing has the capabilities of, of you being able to buy product that's in season, shock freeze it and serve it out of season, but at the in-season quality and the in-season price. And how that happens is I freeze it so fast that I only create microcrystals. Microcrystals are minute snow-like particles that don't overexpand and break the cellular structure. When I slow freeze, I develop macrocrystals. When I shock freeze, I develop microcrystals. What would be one of the times of the year that is a great time to buy whole muscle meat? That would be Thanksgiving. 
we can see anywhere from a two to a three percent dip in price because everybody's buying turkey the beef market becomes flooded well that's not enough for me to get excited and want to buy two or three cases of whole tenderloins because i'm saving two or three percent but when is one of the worst times to buy whole muscle meat that would be christmas we can see a 20 to a 30 percent increase in raw pricing so shock freezing allows me to be able to look at my future production uh, predict what i'm going to need buy what i anticipate portion shock freeze pull out and through the shock freezing um, at minus 40, I don't have the traditional purge that's associated with slow freezing. So when the product thaws out, it comes back either the way it was when it went in or close to. This is sometimes a difficult task of, of making the end user understand this. It, uh, it changes their the, the way that they produce food. It changes the way that they manage their labor. Uh, because if I can double or triple the shelf life of any one product, and there's product that I prepare once a day, seven days a week or five days a week, whatever that is, why would I do it if I can have the same quality on Friday as what it was on Monday? I do an exercise with some of my clients where I tell them to reduce to the ridiculous the production steps of making mashed, pota mashed potatoes. Every step that's involved and most people start out by saying, well, I put the potatoes in the pot and then I add the water or I peel the potatoes and I put them in the pot and I add the water and I boil them and I mash them. And they've already left out a whole bunch of steps because somebody first has to order them, then they have to put them away, then somebody has to go and get them, uh, set up their station, possibly peel them, uh, dice them, put them in a pot of water, uh, uh, cook them, drain the liquid, mash them, add the, the, the cream and the butter, uh, then put it in a packaging container and then put it in storage. Then at that point, the dishwasher gets all those dirty dishes and has to clean them, put them away. Something simple like mashed potatoes can have 12, 13, 14 steps. If I can show you that I, I can produce a quality product on Monday and you get it on Friday and it's just as good, I'm now saving X amount of uh, production steps for for that restaurant because they're only putting the potatoes away once they're only getting them once they're only uh, boiling them once yes if 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 I am peeling my own mashed potatoes then it will be uh, incrementally um, uh, increased in time because that's the one thing that is very laborsome but all those other steps are drastically reduced when I look at something like mashed potatoes I probably can manage my labor anywhere from 15 to 20% more efficiently by just doing them, by just doing a larger batch less frequently. Um, again, it's making the end user realize that this is what's capable. Um, another thing that uh, they're usually oblivious to is, is yield. Um, it's one of the areas that we don't really take into consideration all that much. Um, um, I learned this in manufacturing, yield is huge. Um, and any, re any restaurant that's doing high volume um, um, prime rib uh, products like that, they're, they're usually pretty conscious of it as well. That's why we go low and slow. But um, um, blast chilling can really help increase your product yield. If you see steam rising from your product, what's captured in that steam? 
Well, you know you can smell it, so it's losing aroma. Aroma and flavor go hand in hand. It's also changing the color. Uh, it's losing nutritional value. Um, it's losing moisture, and because it's losing that moisture, it's augmenting the texture. Um, so it's what I call the organic goodness of any one product. Uh, flavor, color, texture, aroma, nutritional value, and moisture. And in that moisture is yield. So when you blast chill a product in an Aeronox directly from the heat source, and this is one of the ways that we differentiate ourselves from competition, is that we truly can take a product right from the heat source and chill it on average in 90 minutes or less when it's two inches thick right out of the oven. HACCP says that we have six hours. We're doing it in 90 minutes. The reason we're doing it in 90 minutes is because that, for the most part, is the European standard. The European standard has changed. It's no longer six hours. Most of Europe is transitioning to a 90-minute chill time. And there's only one practical way to do it, and that is with the blast chiller. What I've done now is I've managed my labor much more effectively. I've increased my product yield. Um, I've increased the shelf life of the product, which has helped me um, decrease my waste and all of those fall in line with with savings because we're in this business to make money and where technology is bringing us today is allowing us to be able to utilize new technology in order to make those savings multifunctional pieces of equipment that can operate when you're not there or just do multiple functions within within that piece of equipment. Um, um, so this is huge for the end user, but it all has a financial savings at the end because if I can manage my labor more effectively, I potentially may have an extra day off as a chef, um, but that better labor utilization can have a, a dollar effect to it. Higher yield, a dollar effect. Extended shelf life, a dollar effect. And in today's in today's restaurant, margins have shrunk. Food cost has gone up because food cost has gone up, labor's gone up, and I anticipate it's only going to go higher. So we have to look for revenue sources or ways of creating revenue uh, or saving money that we typically might not have looked at before um, or looked at as deeply. So. This is what these higher-end restaurants are doing. They recognize it. And now it's, it's convincing the average guy um, that this is the way to go. And we have huge success with it. We're the number one selling blast chiller and shock freezer in the world. And when people see that we also do these other functions, it really opens their eyes. Holy smokes. You are a wealth of knowledge. And incredibly valuable information. So thank you for sharing all of that. Now, before we go, what piece of advice would you give to either the rising culinarians out there who are listening to this or the people who have maybe been in the business for a while and want to progress their career? Education is paramount. Um, whether that's going to school, reading books, uh, working in different settings, different sectors within the within the industry, experimenting, um, and be prepared to fail. Find a mentor, somebody that you can fall back on uh, for advice. Um, ask questions. 
have a commitment to quality, have a commitment to teamwork, and be dedicated to wherever you are doing within the industry. It requires dedication. I was the guy that always wanted to be there on the busy nights. Uh, if I wasn't there, I was saying, what did I do wrong? I wanted to be there to make sure that things went out right. It needs that same attitude. And it requires work. It requires showing up. So, I mean, if you want to advance, the more knowledge you have, the more people skills you develop, the higher the chance that you will be able to advance. Because the reality behind this business is that working in the kitchens, it's its a, it's a young guy's world. I can't work the line, you know, being 60, uh, I just don't have the, the same speed I had uh, when I was in my uh, 20s and 30s. So you got the young guys working there, but those young guys are going to be 60 like me someday, and they've got to be able to educate themselves so that they can transition into leadership, leadership positions. And again, that can, that that means that you have to continue education. Um, and that may be that you join the uh, uh, ACF, the American Culinary Federation, where you can get mentoring there, where you can uh, um, get certification if you're not certified. It requires a lot of reading. Uh, I, I read, 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 read all the time. I had books everywhere. If I came home, um, I was reading a magazine or I was going out to dinner and I was looking at what trends happening. I remember driving to New York and going to two or three different restaurants and and just trying food uh, in order to find out what's what's the latest trend going on. Um, so it's education. And then when you if you want to transition like I did into sales, it was a little scary. I've been been in the kitchen for over 40 years. I was lucky enough to latch on to a great product. You know, and I gave it a chance because I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. Was this going to be smoke and mirrors? And I was so fortunate to latch on to a product that actually does what I say it's going to do. Um, and I don't have to worry about somebody coming back at me and saying, you tricked me. I was able to have a great mentor, a gentleman named Ira Kaplan, who was the uh, one of the most recognizable names and faces in the food service equipment industry. But he was also very knowledgeable because he had, he had worked in manufacturing. He had owned his own equipment manufacturing business and he had been a consultant and he had been a dealer. He had just worked all the different phases of this business and I was able to learn so much from him. Um, and fortunately he had faith in me and allowed me to build a presentation and build it for an area that we really weren't selling, as I mentioned earlier, which was restaurants. Uh, we weren't, we didn't have a lot of sales in restaurants. Uh, so he had faith in me. I built it, and uh, he let me uh, let me fly when uh, um, um, when he felt I could fly. But he'd uh, micromanage me when I needed to be micromanaged, and um, and eventually, uh, you know, here I am, vice president of a company. Um, um, so. It takes commitment. It takes drive. It takes uh, um, a love for the for the business. And if you want to advance, educate, work hard, and uh, you'll be rewarded in the long run. But uh, be prepared for change. Great words of advice from a very wise man who has definitely paid his dues and worked his way up. So, if people find this interesting, Tim, and they want to get a hold of you or ask you questions, what do you recommend? I would recommend that they could reach me through my email or emails. Um, that would be Tim at 
erinoxnorthamerica.com. That's I-R-I-N-O-X, northamerica.com. Or they can reach out to me personally uh, on my personal email, which is timzchef at yahoo, T-I-M-Z as in zebra, chef at yahoo.com. Or go on to Aeronox professional website. And um, um, we're in the process of building that uh, to be more um, more informational friendly, where we'll have videos on how to uh, um, uh, navigate Aeronox units. Um, uh, we'll eventually have videos on showing the yield lost uh, or showing the, the extended shelf life of product. Um, um, so, but you can always reach out to me on my uh, uh, any of my emails or go to the Aeronox website. Chef, thank you so much for your time. I know it's very valuable. Thank you. Thank you for your time. This has been fun. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Hey guys, if you're looking for a new podcast, something about cooking, something about how to cook or learning how to cook, check out our new First Timers Cookbook podcast. It's over on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts and give it a listen. See what you think.